You know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He ordered his planes to attack your country. Uh, what is up, everyone? My name is Jake, and you are listening to uh, another episode of the Rotten Potatoes podcast, and not the audio clip I wanted. Uh, this is a podcast <laughs> where four friends sit down and review movies you absolutely should have seen, and at least uh, one of us hasn't. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. I'm Scott. And I'm Jake again. I'm a little bummed that you cut off like so many funny parts. The best part. too long. Yeah. It, well, no. but I don't think Zach, so. Zach gave you a time a specific timestamp. Yeah. yeah, but it was almost two minutes long. We listened it to was the a whole minute. freaking speech that the president gives in that was hey, five minutes of the Independence Day. I get a choose. Uh, gosh, dang it. You cut out uh, my I, favorite line. I did yeah. 40 seconds for <laughs> now, the Now, Dimitri, clip. let me finish. What is your favorite line? When he says, of course I like to call to say hello. <laughs> just <laughs> not any other time. Just not right now. That's my favorite part. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think uh, I think we already uh, are getting... I, I think all of our tots will have a little bit of a bead on how, how everyone's going to break <laughs> in the ratings of this. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> Scott didn't think any of the parts were funny, so he's just like, they're all the same. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Jake, what movie... I mean, for those who might not know, what movie are we talking about? This is a Stanley Kubrick, uh, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, which is a mouthful. It and, is a mouthful. Kind of timely, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, There's almost nuclear war talk going around right now, including last week when we yeah. talked about the, the nuclear, including threat. last week when we tried to get the nuclear codes, <laughs> <laughs> the Russian nuclear codes, uh, Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Now you'd never seen this before. No, I had never seen it. Uh, I saw it scrolling through HBO or then HBO max and then max, uh, and it was on my list for a long time. And I thought, oh, Stanley Kubrick did it. And I would like to watch more Stanley Kubrick movies because I really like The Shining. And then I read the summary of it. And I thought that sounds exactly like something I should watch. The summary, I or not a summary, like a review I read was, this movie is where Stanley Kubrick imagines what if the world ended and it was hilarious. <laughs> and I thought that sounds funny. And that sounds like something I would want to watch. And then I just never got around to it. And then I figured I'm not going to get around to it unless I make myself for this, uh, for this show. Mm. And I don't know if I'm giving my takes, but that's why I picked it. No, yeah, that was it. Just why you picked it. Uh, Scott, why don't you hit us with a little bit of uh, just the facts about this movie? Yeah, so as Jake said, this was directed by Stanley Kubrick. It was also written by Stanley, uh, as well as Terry Southern and Peter George. Uh, had a release date of January 29th, 1964. Runtime of 94 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 98%. IMDb gave it an 84 it had a box office of $9.2 million on a $1.8 million budget, so just over 5x return on that. Didn't win any awards, but it, wa- uh, it was nominated for four for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Sellers, and uh, Best uh, Screenplay. I have two 
I think, crazy bits of trivia about this movie. So we had a $1.8 million budget. $1 million of that went to Peter Sellers. Hmm. He got about 55% of this movie's budget Wow! Uh, to play the three parts. And I think Stanley Kubrick said, oh, I got three for the price of six. Uh, <laughs> and then also, apparently, Peter Sellers was the first person to be nominated for Best Actor for more than one role in the same movie. Oh. Because he played three roles. Right, mm-hmm. right. That's interesting. Yeah. First and only, or? I don't know about only. The trivia I read was first. Okay. I'm not sure. That'd be interesting to find out who else has been nominated for multiple parts in the future. Not saying we should do that right now. I'm just curious. So let me start with start uh, with Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park yeah. Yeah. And I'll see what I can do. <laughs> How many uh, clicks do you think from Jurassic Park to Dr. Strangelove? 32. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was the only one who had seen this movie before. So I'll, I'll kind of give my, you know, I'd seen this once previously. Uh, one of our old friends, Will, I think had watched it and, and liked it. And he told me that I should watch it. And so I bought it. And and the first time I watched it, I actually didn't understand what I what I was watching. I hated it. Um, and so when you nominated this, I was like, oh, bummer. Like, this is going to be like, this is going to be rough because it's a movie that everyone loves, but I don't get. And this time when I watched it, I was, I like, I understood the movie this time. Like, I just don't know. I think I was expecting a serious movie, not like a, uh, you know, like a, a satire, a satire. Thank you. And I think with this movie, it's, if you don't know that you're going in to watch a comedy, it's going to take you a little while. Yeah. It's the delivery is so dry. Right. And I can see you thinking this is a weird movie. Yeah. And so this time I, I understood it. I got it right away. And I was surprised by how much I loved this movie. Like I, 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 I loved it a ton. And to be honest with you, it kind of spoiled maybe a couple other movies for me. Oh, interesting. Which movies? Uh, in particular, I thought, uh, I thought that uh, Inglorious Bastards was a lot less original after watching this. Like I was like, oh man, like, he really just bit on so much of this movie. Hmm. And it was like, you know, I still love Inglorious Bastards. Don't get me wrong. And I think it's executed super well. But like, it's definitely like I can see a hundred percent how much inspiration uh, he took from Dr. Strangelove. And, you know, so like that. Um, and then, you know, like, there there are a lot of movies obviously where people play more than one part and like for real like they just did not do anywhere near as well as as sellers did doing like playing multiple roles they did it so well that i thought he only played two parts until after the movie and i was right? like oh he was strange love too <laughs> yeah right i i thought his performance was incredible and Honestly, like it also kind of made me feel a little bit like, especially his portrayal of Dr. Strangelove, it made me feel a little bit like, oh man, like again, not like I'm not, it doesn't like cheapen it necessarily, but it, it, it's like, oh man, I really thought you were being super original, but I feel like a lot of Taika's characters are like ripping on a lot of Peter Sellers characters Mm. and like it's like, Oh man, like maybe it's not biting. Maybe it's homage, you know? And like, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, but this movie definitely, like we've talked about sometimes where it's like, Oh, I've seen it done better later. And this was like a, Oh no, I've seen it done better earlier. (laughs) Like, (laughs) 
and I guess it's just like, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of Peter Sellers movies, but I know that, you know, he's very famous and you've got Stanley Kubrick doing it and like love him or hate him. There's few people who are as exacting and as like, <clears throat> I don't know. Like I, I think one of the few like our tours of film, I feel like where like he's truly like, I don't know how to say it, but he, I don't, I, I don't precise I have a, intentional. Yeah. Like, and like yeah. everything is going to be perfect no matter how long it takes or what happens. He's not going to put out something that is less than perfect in his eyes. Yeah, I guess. So I, I can less see than why. his vision. Yeah. So I can see why it was like, why we got it better now, because if it didn't work, I can see this movie just never seeing the light of day. If he was like, Oh, I don't like it. This isn't, we're not getting what I want. Well, Jake, you were a late bloomer. Do you want to give us your... Uh... Yeah, this... I had such a weird time watching this movie, and I think I need to watch it again. I... Because I kind of... I knew what I was getting into, and I laughed at parts, and I was like... It was really odd, and I, I, I think I texted Zach about it. I was like, I've never felt so conflicted. Like, I don't know if I like this movie or not. I think I like it, but I don't know. And then I thought about it more, and I think I really like it. I think I need to watch it again and it's short, so it won't be that hard to watch again. Um, and I just, I love, I don't think I was expecting it to be so silly and it's so silly, but in the most deadpan way that it's like, it's, you kind of have to learn how to watch, or I had to learn how to watch it where I was like, this is like every single scene was so many silly bits, but it was delivered so dry that it was, I don't know. It was a little bit jarring for me at first, but thinking about it more, I think it's very funny. Uh, I like it a lot. And I, I think, I feel like this is like if Stanley Kubrick did airplane, like it's just, it's so jam packed full of bits and it's so silly. Uh, but also just very good. I think I like it a lot. I'm going to watch it again though. Would it surprise you that this movie was originally written with no comedic beat at all? And then he and uh, his co-writer had like teased, like when they were writing it, because uh, obviously this movie released in the middle of the Cold War, yeah. in the middle of of uh, atomic fear. Uh, and he was fascinated by his own fear of, you know, the Russians dropping a bomb and, you know, and obliterating society through mu- mutually assured destruction. Um, but they had kind of teased about the idea of incorporating some comedic elements. And then eventually that, uh, that co-writer left to go direct his own project. And Kubrick called him up one day and was like, Hey, you remember when we were talking about maybe like doing this as a comedy, I think I'm going to shift this movie and do it as a comedy. And he was afraid that it wasn't going to work. That it wasn't going to play. Um, but Stanley ended up being right. It really shocks me to learn that because I feel like every second of this movie is silly this was uh based on a book i believe that was not a comedy like it, it was not funny at all correct and so um yeah that was an interesting call that he made clearly effective i guess maybe i should get into my takes uh i liked this a lot um i i thought it was very funny um I was a little unsure of how I felt for maybe the first 20 minutes or so, but like really once it gets to the war room, I feel like that's when it kind of hits its stride. And at least for me, I kind of thought to myself like, okay, I get what this movie is. I get where it's going. 
I I'm really enjoying this. Um, and I, I really liked it. It's I, I, again, like what Jake said, I'm happy that it's short. I feel like I don't need very much more than what I get. It's like the perfect length. Um, but I really just, I don't know if I want to say I had a lot of fun with it. No, I think I did. Yeah, I, I really had a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I think it's a really smart script. I was a little surprised to see that it was nominated for like Best Picture. Uh, but I I don't think I would disagree with that. I think its nomination for Best Screenplay is is deserved. And especially Peter Sellers. He was fantastic in this. Um, so I liked it quite a bit. It was interesting, Tyler, that it made you kind of think of other movies. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about Don't Look Up. Another satire that's also about the end of the world, essentially. Um, and I definitely felt with this movie, the like the earlier did it better than I, I think where this movie succeeds. I felt like Don't Look Up did some things differently that were much less effective for me. And so it was really interesting to watch this and kind of think like, oh, this is that movie done well. Um, so I, I loved this movie. I, I was also surprised in that same vein. I really felt like watching this, especially in the final, you know, the final war room sequence with Dr. Strangelove. Uh, I was, I really thought I was like, wow, I'm really shocked at how well this whole movie holds up. Like you could have released this today in black and white. And I think I would have believed that it was made today. Like the comedy beats, the long, uh, like the long, uh, sort of chapters, you know, where we're just kind of in a room. Like it felt very, uh, Tarantino, it felt very Fincher, it felt very Chris Nolan, like, it just seemed to, like, oh, yeah, all of these greats that are still making films in this style, that all of them talk about being so heavily influenced by Dr. Strangelove, um, it makes a lot of sense now. You it's know? impressive as well, too, because we've talked in prior episodes about how hard it is for comedy to remain relevant and, like, effective years later and so it is impressive that at least we haven't heard scott's takes at least three of us still find this movie very funny it's a it's a bit of, it's a bit of a bummer how relevant it <laughs> <laughs> i wish it was less relevant but. scott what did you think you were a late bloomer i was a late bloomer uh i didn't like it i thought it wasn't funny everything that you guys have said i just disagree with i feel like it felt super old um it I would have probably liked it more if it was a serious, the serious version. Um, I felt like all the humor felt like it was from the sixties, like just none of it. And I knew it was a satire going into it and I did my normal thing. Like I read about it. So I knew what I was going into and yeah, I was bored. So miserably bored the whole time. I can't believe you think that the humor felt old because we are, I think in the middle of an absurdist humor renaissance. And this movie is so absurd that it felt very much today. I texted Zach in the middle of this that I thought, um, what's his name? Turgid. He had oh. a very Tim Robinson vibe to me. Very. Like if you were to make this movie today, I would cast Tim Robinson to play him. <laughs> totally. Um, I like, wouldn't say it was absurd. I think your word of silly was the the best word for it. And I, it just, it was like, it felt like a kid's movie almost. I don't, I think it's definitely like, like it, it's, like especially Turgidson, his mannerisms, like he he's like, 
I don't know, like manic at some points. Like there, there's a scene where he's running and he falls and just gets back up and oh, starts talking. Oh, that was so great. And that was an accident. He's, he's like, the board, yeah. the board. <laughs> he fell on accident. Stanley Kubrick thought that he was just making a character choice. And he's like, I like that. And then they just left it in, but he just tripped and fell and then stayed in. Like that was just, I don't like, it was so silly and just absurd. And like him, he's like, I oh, know, I don't think that we should discount the entire program just because of one bad actor. <laughs> and it's like, this is literally leading to the end of the world. That's an absurd, that, 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 it, that's an absurd cavalierness. And like everything about that is just, I, I loved with him. I mean, first of all, George C. Scott, uh, as good as Pete Sellers was, George C. Scott might have been better. Like he's really funny. He's so funny. And at the very end, when he's like, they're like, oh God, like one got through. Oh no, what are we gonna do? And it's like, does he have a shot? And he's like, oh, you should <laughs> yeah. see it. They come in, coming all low. Woo! It's a great. He's so stoked. Like, but do they, they have, have a shot? shot? Yeah, you bet. But do they have a shot? You bet. Oh yeah. <laughs> what does the president say? Uh, that's not our policy. I think Ripper already invalidated that. <laughs> I thought it, when they were talking about their solution and then they're like, Oh, we're going to go into the mines. And then they're like, I don't know about this. And then all of a sudden they're like, we cannot let get the Russians get mine supremacy. <laughs> mine supremacy. Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Like the, mine the, gap. I think yeah, that's what the they mind call it. Gap. Yeah. I thought that was that, that was very funny and to see how quickly all of that turned, but it didn't feel unnatural or it, it felt like, yeah. Okay. I could see this stupid conversation yeah. happening. Sellers is clearly the MVP, but Turgeson is great. Um, as well as the, uh, the Russian ambassador. Oh, I yeah. thought he was very funny as he well. Was funny. Peter bull, Peter bull. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was, which of the Peter sellers roles uh, actually, before I ask that Scott, um, the final scene in this movie was supposed to be a massive cream pie fight. <laughs> I didn't know that. They filmed it. That was why they had the buffet in the, in the war, war room. room. Yeah. So you remember when uh, Turgeson and, and the Russian ambassador are like wrestling, they're wrestling in front of a big, ridiculous dessert buffet kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to end with a cream pie fight that was like supposed to be symbolic of the two, you know, sort of countries, missiles flying at each other kind of a thing. And the studio told him, okay, you only get one shot at this because it was a famously expensive set, the war room. And the studio was like, we know what you want to do. You only get one shot at this. And so they filmed it and it was supposed to be like deadpan, just throwing dessert at each other. Like just this, you know, total devolution of, you know, of structure and order and, you know, civility. Uh, but the actors, it was just so fun that all of the shots, they're just dying laughing the whole time. And so Kubrick was like, just cut it out of the movie. Like, <laughs> you know, like for as exacting and like, like what a perfectionist Kubrick is, apparently they had to leave in a shot of George C. Scott laughing while uh, strange love was like choking himself oh, at yeah. the end of that. And they couldn't get a shot where nobody was laughing. That's so there, there, you can see him oh, break. Him you break can see Bray and break a little him. bit. Yeah. And that just stayed in the movie. Scott, so if if it ended with the cream pie fight, what do you think now? <laughs> it wouldn't have landed. That sounds stupid, too. 
I'm just looking at the IMDb right now. I don't think I realized James Earl Jones is in this movie. Yeah, he was oh. on the plane. He's on the plane. On the B-52. I didn't even recognize him. This was his film debut. Really? Yeah. And so he, what a film to debut in. Yeah. So uh, Kubrick went because he really wanted George C. Scott, and he saw him in uh, a uh, uh, Central Park production of uh, uh, Merchant of Venice. Okay. And George C. Scott was playing the Shylock. And James Earl Jones was playing uh, the Prince of Morocco. And so uh, he needed to fill, you know, the the plane. He needed another actor. And he was like, actually, I, I kind of like him. Let's just bring him along, too. Interesting. It was his first first time he was ever in a film. I think that uh, the maybe the plane stuff was weaker, but I did think that uh, Slim Pickens was funny, but a bit of trivia I read that I think is even more funny was he was the only person that they didn't tell this was a comedy. Right. And he was playing it completely straight. And that was just, he was just playing it like a serious movie. And that's just how he is. And it, it, he wasn't playing a character. Like they were like, just read the lines. Huh. Apparently Weird. James Earl Jones thought that he was staying in character uh, between takes. And then he realized that that's just who Slim Pickens is, which I think is very like that scene. Like, I can't believe he didn't know that because that scene, that scene where he, uh, he opens a safe on the plane yeah. and then pulls out a cowboy hat oh. is gold. It, yeah. I love that. It. was very funny. He opens the safe and I'm like, okay, what's the, you know, like he's getting codes or something, you know, and then the cowboy hat. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> that was very funny. It was interesting, Tyler, that you were talking about the different, um, the way that you've been able to see this movie influence different directors. There was a moment when they're on the plane and I don't remember the context, but they're taking out all these different things and kind of, uh, they're like recording the different items that they have. And one of them is like this tiny little Bible and it kind of zooms in that whole sequence felt like very West very Anderson. West. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, that, that was, it was, it was like a postage stamp size Bible and Russian dictionary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like This feels like straight out of a West Anderson film right now. So it's kind of funny in that scene when he's reading off all the things and he, he delivers a line, Slim Pickens delivers a line that he says, uh, man, you could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with this. Uh, the line originally was you could have a pretty good weekend in Dallas with this. But this movie was set to release three weeks after the assassination of JFK. Oh, and so they had to, yeah. they had to ADR that they had to dub in Vegas over Dallas this was three weeks afterwards, you said? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's nuts. I did. I, I guess I just didn't put that timeline together. Yeah. They, they ended up pushing the release as well. Um, so they, they pushed the release to like the end of the film season because it was supposed to release in summer and they pushed it to, to winter um, because they just felt like seeing a president character. Sure. Immediately after the tragic assassination of our president was not something that audiences were super into seeing. Yeah. I think they were probably right to push it. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of? Uh, so uh, Slim Pickens, I thought was great. Did you guys know though that Peter Sellers was supposed to play all four roles? I did. I heard that. And um, I, I think that Slim Pickens was perfect for the role. Yeah. And or what we got was right for it. And like, I, I don't think three is enough. Like for Peter Sellers. So he broke his, he broke his leg, how James Earl Jones recounts the story. He broke his leg on set. Uh, Peter Sellers did. Peter Sellers did. And that's why Dr. Strangelove was in a wheelchair. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, I guess that makes sense. And so when he, the last line of the movie is, Mein Fjör, I can walk. He actually was on a broken leg and like wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get up and walk around. And he just improvised that line. That I, I think that this movie, I think, stands out in Kubrick movies for being like the opposite of what I you he's famous for with Peter Sellers, where apparently almost every line of his is improvised. Yeah. And he is he's giving he said, um, I can't do the same thing twice. I'm not going to do the same thing twice. And so they just had to keep going and he hates multiple takes. And so he was like, like Kubrick was like, I think you're getting better and better every time. And he's like, why are you making me do the same scene over and over again? <laughs> Which is just crazy. Like that sounds like the opposite of what you would expect, but it, it worked. And I, I thought he was very funny. I, and I think it paved the way for improv comedy in films that we experience today because like guys like Taika, that thrive in that kind of environment where they're like, let's just, you know, let's just have fun on set and see what comes up. Uh, those are some of our favorite like pieces of comedy when, when uh, filmmakers approach things that way. Uh-huh. And uh, this was un- a little unique in that sense. It wasn't the first time that anyone had played multiple roles in a movie in the fifties, forties and fifties. That had happened a few times. And in fact, Peter Sellers say, had done even, it. I don't even think it's the first time Peter Sellers did it. Um, but it was the first time that like wide audiences had really seen it. Like where like, you know, the the whole country, you know, was talking about this movie when it was released. Uh-huh. And so lots of people went and saw it. Uh, and it was the first time that like the population en masse was really exposed to that kind of a decision. Interesting. I and mean, I don't know that I really thought about it because honestly, it the, the the multiple roles worked well for me in that I wasn't really thinking about how Peter Sellers was playing all three or the two people I realized he was playing at the time. I just wasn't thinking about it. I yeah. was just watching the movie. And so I, it wasn't even anything I was. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't even considered that. Scott, did you I mean, you said you read about it ahead of time, but did you realize really that it was Peter Sellers in in all three roles? Uh, no, I well, no. Scott doesn't realize who Peter Sellers is still. I don't even, yeah, I mean, you guys saying his name when we started recording this was the first time I've heard his name. He was famous, uh, he was the Black Panther. Or not the Black Panther. I'm Uh, sorry, the Pink Pink Panther. Panther. Pink Panther. That makes more sense. Yeah, way more sense than the Black (laughs) Panther. I was a little confused by that. Yeah, the Pink Panther. I was like, wait, what was he? He he created that character. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I didn't know he was playing multiple roles, so I guess good on him. I don't think any of his jokes were funny. He played he played the British uh, major that was like trying to yeah. convince, and then he played the president, uh-huh. and then he played Doctor Strangelove. Mm. I think the president was my favorite of his roles. I thought oh, the president, too. like even at, the president as the straight man, was still somehow very funny. Oh yeah, where he's like, especially when he's on the on the phone with uh, the <laughs> Dimitri. The Dimitri, that scene is so funny and you don't even hear the other side of the conversation yeah and it's still very funny i agree uh but the president is my favorite of the three um him talk every all interactions with demetra are very funny to me and him and turgeson together are so good um i think their chemistry was really good and really allowed for for turgeson to be very funny and very zany what uh what do you guys think about ripper though 
in the the I don't know antagonist of the movie. I I liked it a lot. I this time I I I think part of what helped me like get into early on like the comedic beat of this was they like really focus on his nameplate in one of the one of the first real shots of the movie, and uh, his name is Jack D Ripper. Yeah, and I was like, oh, nice. Like, okay, yeah, this is. That that's right. This is a comedy. Like you know, we're here for it. I think uh, one of my favorite. Oh, I I loved his insane babbling about our precious fluids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that that was all very funny, and uh, I, it seemed relevant in a in a different way to to, to today mm-hmm. with um, yeah. And yeah. I, for for our, for our Patreon viewers, you might have noticed uh, Jake is drinking grain liquor and rainwater. Yeah, <laughs> I no, I subscribe to the Ripper, uh, to the Ripper philosophy. Also, rainwater is uh, unsafe to drink everywhere on the planet now, but I still do it. It's got chemicals in it. Um, but I thought that his funniest part it it was so it really caught me off guard. I was like, why is he picking up his golf bag? And then he just pulls a Browning machine gun out of his golf bag. I thought that was so funny. And then he was just shooting everybody indiscriminately out the window. Yeah. That was very funny. Can't even see what he's shooting at. Yeah. And then his, uh, and then the, the RAF commander is, he just gets on board. Like he, he somehow he's like, we should do that again where I'm feeding you the belt. And like, he's like, you just give me the codes chap. And you, you were saying, feed me the belt. And I was feeding you. I agree with you, Jake, that that character felt very relevant um, when he's talking about like the the floridization of water. I, like I didn't know anything about that. I had to, to Google that really to figure out what what that was even referring to. And it felt so relevant that a high level government official would like subscribe to such a like conspiracy theory like yeah. that and would make decisions off of that. It just it felt like something I would not be shocked to see in our news cycle right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When Alex Jones was trying to convince everyone that they were that the government was trying to turn the frogs gay, yeah, like that was <laughs> it was that kind of a yeah. Or just yeah. like I mean, I don't know if this is this is too political of a take, and only for our live stream audiences. But like, <laughs> this is every anti vaxxer to me these days. Where like they're putting microchips in the vaccine. That was exactly what I thought uh, of, and yeah. so like it just like I don't know. Um, it hit for me there. The Kennedy son running for president on an anti-vax ticket. You right. Know, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty pres- prescient. Prescient. Pres- yeah. Yeah. It, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go. Please. Uh, there's a, a, a I want to say clip. There's a segment in uh, Parks and Rec where uh, Leslie's fighting against Sweetums and uh, when, when she's the city councilor. And Sweetums wants to like have like the water supply be oh like soda, a essentially yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're running on like like oh she she wants to put chemicals in your water like fluoride and like different things right. so it was like a little bit of a nod to that yeah definitely um, Scott I'm curious uh, had had you seen Don't Look Up yes what did you think of that I'm curious if that because this clearly did not work for you uh-huh. did that work for you I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, it was okay, Uh but did you find it funnier than this? I honestly, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that funny to me. Uh huh. So I don't know. So maybe I just don't like this like style. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it felt more relevant than this one did to me. Yeah. Um, and definitely more modern, but well, 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, this is uh, 80 years old. Yeah. <laughs> it was more yeah, modern. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, I th- it's, it's a rare movie that was made before 1990 that Scott's into. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying they're not out there, but they're rare. They're rare. They're, they're harder to find. You I don't would, know if we've done any on the pod yet. Uh, <laughs> you didn't like Die Hard? I do like Die Hard. It's an 80s movie, Okay. Right? Yeah. Then maybe it should be pre-80s. Yeah, pre-80s for sure. Because I think there's other 80s movies out there. Uh, what, uh, what, one of the things that I, I was really actually impressed with about this movie was the, how they, how they got the, like the shot of major Kong writing the like phallic nuke to ecstasy. Like that shot. I actually, I was surprised at like, obviously it looks like a plate, you know, like it looks like, you know, something that, that they superimposed. But that is so early in visual effects. Yeah, I I think when I because I I've seen that shot before and yeah. I, I thought it was from this movie and I was like I don't know like I don't know how they pulled that off now or then I mean I I don't know how they pulled that off then and I it and from the beginning like going into this movie I thought that's too silly of a shot to have in this movie by the end I didn't think so and I, was like, <laughs> st- I knew it was coming and I was stoked to see him ride the nuke down I was like that's hilarious <laughs> but I do think that's impressive yeah I was I was really impressed with the the cinematography in this movie there were there were a few other shots like some really interesting uh shots in the war room that like I thought were like framed really really well uh I I actually thought that the cinematography in particular held up super well in this film I was really surprised I won't talk negatively about any of the technical aspects because I couldn't even pay attention to them with how much <laughs> how the much comedy you were, was just not doing it for me. I was just like, God, can this be over? You were, yeah, you were, you were not in a, uh-huh. you were the, not having a fun time. The moment this movie started, I thought, I don't know if I like this. I do know that Scott hates this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually really afraid to be honest with you after watching this. I was like, Oh no, I'm going to be the only one defending this movie. Like, I, I really thought that I was like, so I think I was going to like immediately after watching this, I was like, I'm ready for them to talk me down on this. Like, I don't know how I feel. And I feel like they might not have liked it. And then I thought about it more and I was like, no, I think I liked it. And I would be excited if they talked me up on it. And I think, I think, I don't know that you guys have talked me up on it. I think I'm just processing, thinking about it more. And it was like, I was just so unsure how I felt after watching it. Cause it was just, even though I knew a little bit about it, it was so not what I expected that I wasn't, I don't know that I was ready to watch it and I want to watch it again, but I think I do like it a lot. Yeah. I think, uh, I think this will be a movie that I, I will rewatch again multiple times. Like this is a movie I'm going to go back and revisit for yeah, sure. Cause there are, there are just like so many bits in it that I feel like I probably missed some. Like I, I kind of, it took me a little bit to realize that, in almost every scene of the movie, Turgidson is putting more gum into his mouth. Right. Oh, and, the gum was a huge thing for me. Yeah. I loved. I was like, I like at one point I was like, I feel like he's putting a lot of gum in his mouth. And then I started looking, I was like, oh, he's doing it every time we cut to him. He's just mm-hmm. putting more gum in his mouth. I feel like this is one of those movies like um what's a, what's the movie I rated really bad? The the early one where they throw a stake at a Oh, there will be blood. There will be dynamite. Oh, Napoleon. Where, like, for me, this would be much more enjoyable as little clips rather than the movie as a whole. I really disagree with that. I think Napoleon Dynamite is the only movie 
that is less than the sum of its parts. I'm saying I said uh, for me. Yeah, I know. Just like in in my head, like I can't think of another movie that gets worse when you watch it all together, except for Napoleon. Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> like you could pull any five minutes out of Napoleon Dynamite, and it's probably pretty funny, and that's probably all you want to watch. Yeah, and, but if you put it all together, it sucks. But I think that's for me that is a that's very how unique I felt phenomenon. about this too. Yeah, you said you that's, didn't laugh at a single part though. I didn't. So I didn't during Napoleon Dynamite either. But like, if I if if are, when we talk about these things, do you think they're funny now? I think the ideas of them are funny as bits. Like the idea of like him talking with the Russian leader and like having this ridiculous conversation while nukes are headed his way. Like I think that's a funny idea, and I think. In, if it was like just that conversation, it would be enjoyable for me. But in the midst of all the other things, it was just one more thing to not enjoy. Huh. Hmm. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try and like convince you like that. Because it's an exercise of futility. Th- that too. <laughs> uh, I also just think it's fair. Like okay. I, I think it's fair to not like something. And just like you said, like you didn't like it the first time you watched it. Maybe I, I would like it more if I watched it again. I don't think I'm ever going to get there. Like, I don't think I would watch this again. I wouldn't have watched it again. Had Jake not nominated it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm so glad you did because I, I found a movie that I, I actually truly love. Um, I think there was, Oh shoot! There was one more scene that I thought was very funny that I was gonna. Oh, I loved when uh, Churchinson is. He's like, "You're gonna invite him in here. He's gonna see the big board, and the big board is literally just a map of the world." Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, "So he's like, but he's gonna see the big board." And then you you automatically you think, "Oh, he planted that camera on the Russian." And then later in the movie, it's revealed that he has more cameras and he's just taking a picture of the big board. Yeah, I thought it was such a funny way to bring that back around. <laughs> uh, I really appreciated that. Like, bringing that full circle. You shared something in our uh, group chat that I thought was like funnier than this whole movie uh, about, was it president Nixon? No, was it was it? Reagan Reagan when he came into <laughs> oh, office yeah. and he asked about like someone show me the war room. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And they were, they, they had to really explain it to him. Like Mr. President, that doesn't exist. And he said, but I saw it in Dr. Strangelove. And they were like, yeah, no, like that was just out of Stanley Kubrick's mind. Do like you know we don't have that. What's funnier? However, about, uh, they do have one now because of this movie or because of Reagan. Probably Reagan because probably Reagan. ordered it built. I think yeah. Reagan was like, oh, we for sure need a war room. Like, I, I think it's funnier because Reagan was a movie star and you feel like he would understand that things. In, yeah, like that's a set that got me. But that was, I think, I think truly that's, you know, to talk a little bit about like the timeliness of this movie. Of course, we've talked about the timelessness that it feels very appropriate still to this day for three a, of us in for three of us. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I mean, like the, the material, you know, not necessarily okay. the comedy, yeah. but like the, the nukes and war in Russia, nukes and war in Russia and not trusting, you know, our, uh, government, to Are, do the right thing. Yeah, so. to do the right thing. Because Russia, not to date this too much, Russia made nuclear threats this year. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, uh, but at the time, like, this was so timely that that people really did feel like, gosh, this does feel like how our leadership is running things. You know, people felt very anxious about the idea of, of nuclear holocaust because there was just so little confidence that people had in the government that it's like man how are these idiots in charge and of course this is satirized um and like bob woodward 
who's like a super famous journalist was talking about this movie and how excellent it is. Um, but he was, you know, Bob Woodward was like instrumental in, um, he broke the Watergate scandal, uh-huh. like really important, you know, high level journalist. And he said like that I, no one in government is really that bad. Like no one, like I, none, this doesn't remind me of any one person any of these characters. But I think it was so much in the national feeling that they had to include a disclaimer at the beginning of this movie. Exactly. To say that the Air Force says that this could not really happen. So that, that, uh, yes, like that that was the, the season. But also uh, part of that was the Air Force, uh, like Stanley Kubrick and the uh, British art director, like uh-huh. set designer, almost got in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I I think I read a little bit about this, but I think it sounds like you know more. Yeah, so they the Air Force refused to participate in this movie at all because they just disliked the premise. Um, making light of nuclear holocaust was not a popular decision before the movie came out. Um, but after they had like, so they, they had to build a, a B2 bomber without any cooperation from the army. And so they had like one photo that was a cover of a book that someone had written that had like a little corner of the cockpit where the pilot sits in a B2. And that was all they had to extrapolate off of what the interior of a B2 bomber looked like. And they brought in some folks from the Air Force to view the movie before they released it. And they assumed that they had a mole that was leaking information about one of their most classified uh, airships because they said it was spot on. Mm -hmm. Like the set designer just thought, well, it would probably look and function like this. And he accidentally got it completely right. Yeah, that I think is one of the crazier bits of trivia about this movie. I think I had also read too that like um, the military had to kind of change some of the methods of communication after this movie because the whole like uh, situation with Ripper having like complete control was like a little it it there was uh, like it could have happened essentially like they're like oh yeah. Actually, the way that we have it set up right now, that could kind of happen. Maybe we should rethink some of these, some of these methods that we have in place. I saw, exactly. I um I read an interesting story about Kubrick after this, where apparently he allegedly had a UFO sighting in his life, and then he was talking with somebody, and they're like, "You should tell someone." And then he said, "The Air Force doesn't want to hear from me after Strange Love." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think um there was one more joke that I did not get in the movie and that I had to read about afterwards. And I thought it was very funny. So I wanted to bring it up was um, when they have that conversation and they say, what kind of name is strange love? That's not a German name. And then he says, or he's like, it's a weird name and it's not German. And then the guy says it was, his original name was this. And I forget what he says. Uh, and then he changed it to strange love when he came over. Apparently that was just strange love in German. Oh, <laughs> so he's like, this is a weird name. And he's like, oh, his name was strange love, but it was just German. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was a very funny joke. That and is a funny it, joke. It went completely over my head. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. Kraut by any other name. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line. That's yeah. the subsequent line. I'm yeah. just <laughs> quoting George C. Scott's next line. Uh, yeah, I, I could, I could probably talk forever about how much I, I really love this movie. And I, I do expect, you know, I think the more I watch it, the more I really am going to love it. Um, 
it 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 really blew me away. It seemed so ahead of its time, uh, technically. Uh, it seemed so excellently, like, so excellently executed. And I think as much as I love having Slim, I think the only thing I would change is I would love to see the version where Peter Sellers plays all four roles. Like that he's in every every scene in the movie, basically. Uh-huh. I think would have just made it like just a little bit better. You know, I guess I just I like what we have, so I just don't I'm not I I don't I don't know that I share that sentiment, but I think I get it. Like just to see what he could have done with it that would have been different. If if I was doing a recast, we used to do that as a bit on this. Uh the recast for I I agree completely with Tim Robbins for uh Turgeson. Um, but I would recast Taika as all of Peter Sellers characters. I think Taika is the only person that could really pull all of that off. Uh, I not that I would want that movie, but I would love to see like recreations with those characters. Oh yeah. Like, just some clips on YouTube. You yeah. Know? Or like, you know how they'll sometimes do that for commercials. For sure. Things. I'd love to see that. I think that'd be really funny. Taika, will you do some readings, uh, as, uh, maybe like Mandrake or president? Who, what was the president's name? It was the goofiest name of all time. Yeah, I can't remember. It was, it was like Murfinson or something. Yeah, like I don't that. remember. Well, Taika's on our Patreon, right? He's one of our He's patrons. one of our patrons, yeah. yeah. So Taika, if you yeah. wouldn't mind. I was going to say, Tots, if you know Taika or somebody that knows Taika, just push this along to them. But definitely get Tim Robinson. Like, he's crucial. And you know what? I think, like, I don't know where I would put uh, his counterpart in a lot of things. Um, his name is Sam something. He's in Detroiters and in, I think. Oh, Sam Richardson? Be. Yeah. I would. I feel like just because of how goofy and absurd this movie is, I think he's great, and I would love to see him. I thought of him as the president, maybe, but I would love to see those people in this movie, like if we were going to make it again. But I don't know that we need to. I don't know oh, that we no, need. I don't I, think. I, I yeah. don't think we need to. I think that'd be a terrible decision. But I'd like to see just for fun some scenes recreated. Yeah. Like when Dylan O'Brien just on like uh, oh, yeah. Twitter yeah, yeah. did the social network scene. Yes. Like if Taika could just read some lines. Yeah. Maybe I, I wonder if Taika's on Cameo. I wonder if we can get a Cameo. If I we can know. pay for a Cameo. Oh, he probably is expensive on Cameo. Yeah, He's real famous. Yeah. <laughs> There's some famous people that aren't that expensive. Really? Yeah. 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 Huh. Like who? Um, I don't know. Just, it, I mean, there are people that it's I guess not it depends crazy. on what you say is expensive. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, if he's on, I, I would pay $500 to have him read a couple of the lines from this. Maybe, uh, we'll use our Patreon money. <laughs> the Patreon, it's just rolling in from all those yeah. patrons. We got, it's like that episode of SpongeBob where he opens up the pretty patty stand and he's like, we didn't even know what to do with the money. We tried burning it and burying it. And now we just have to give it away. We just need to get a, like a fourth tier on Patreon. Patreon. That's like. Get, Taika Waititi. Get Taika. Get yeah. Taika. And it's, and it's like a thousand dollars a month. I like that. <laughs> we, me and my friends all got together to pay the guy who plays Kevin from The Office like a hundred bucks to do a cameo for my mm-hmm. friend Levi. And he called him Eli. So oh, it's a little bit of a bummer. That's, did you get your money back? No. <laughs> Wait, you just... What was the difference? You said Eli and then Eli. No, Levi. Levi. Oh, Levi. You've met Levi. <laughs> I know I've met Levi. I thought he said Eli twice. Mm-mm. No, I was like, but okay. you like you didn't like it didn't 
come into your mind that you misheard when he was like, he made a mistake. <laughs> no, Zach has lots of friends that aren't us. But yeah, like, no, when he said he made a mistake and then you're like, wait, Zach just said something that was the same. Just with it, with Zach it, made a mistake. I did question it. And that's why I said, wait, what did you say? Like I literally right. questioned it sure, sure. on the pod. I just wouldn't have vocalized. You just it. made the same mistake that Kevin did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I did. Apparently, Zach, there's something wrong with your delivery of that name. I Eli, mean, I, I typed there. it on Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I typed Eli. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, what do you guys say we put this one to bed unless anyone has anything else to... No, I don't. No. All right. I don't have <laughs> Let's put I, this oh, one wait, to bed. Actually, I do have one thing. Oh, yeah? Uh, and I think I was a little bit wrong on this, but I made a prediction that Scott would uh, give his takes, hate it, and then not talk for the rest of the episode. And I was kind of right. He didn't say very much because of how much he hated it, but you did talk more than I was expecting. So you, you beat my expectations. Well, I just feel like I want to let you guys love on it. Like, I don't want to, like, just spend the episode hating on something that you guys want to actually talk about. So I feel like it's better for the pod if I do just kind of pull back on those. That's fair. But every person I know who listens to the pod tells me you're their favorite. So, well, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I appreciate it, but I don't for know all the, of Jake's friends that I'm their favorite. Don't watch Dr. Strange love. <laughs> it's not that good. That seems like fair to those people. I don't think they would like it either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Carlos. Carlos, <laughs> so represent. Scott, I can't wait to go into next week. We're, we're watching uh, Fast Six. Scott so. is Carlos's favorite. Yeah, he okay. says it all the time. He says it to me a lot. Uh, <laughs> I think to be mean, honestly, <laughs> it's feeling personal. Yeah, it, it's it, not it, that he even wants to emphasize that I'm his favorite. He wants to emphasize that you're not his favorite. That's how it feels sometimes. <laughs> even though Scott hated Scarface so much. Yeah, that hurt his feelings. Okay. I think it hurt his feelings that Scott didn't like it more than any of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this last week I got in trouble with our team. We started talking about our podcast and at some work. of the movies. Yeah, at work. Uh, some of the movies like we didn't like. And I talked trash on Scarface uh, there. Yeah. But then I really talked a ton of trash on Spirited Away. And we have multiple people on our team that really like Spirited Away. Really? We, yeah. we have Adults? requests. Uh-huh. Adults. We have requests in our inbox for more uh, Miyazaki films. It's going to have to be you. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, Zach's going to pick it. I don't. I watched. <laughs> Why would I pick it? Because you were the one that said you were down. Uh, I watched. I've said this. One Sorry. more. I watched one more Miyazaki film and I was like, you know what? I we I don't need to pick another one. I don't even need to watch more than, than the two that I've seen. Yeah. I said this before on pod. If we could go back and change a movie it would be a hard fight between changing uh there will be blood and making it higher or going to spirited away and making it lower you can't make spirited away <laughs> that much lower i could i gave it 3.9 and now as i like reflect on it it should be sub two so is this movie better than spirited away? oh for sure <laughs> if my, those were my options this would be my new favorite movie <laughs> got it <laughs> <laughs> you just piss off your teammates even more. Oh, yeah. That's why they don't listen. Yeah, they don't listen. So, They're like, hey, you know this movie I hate? I would make it my favorite movie for watching Spirited Away again. Yep. All right. Well, let's put this one to bed. Jake, what would you give this movie? Uh, I'm going to give it nine trips and falls that made it on, made it on recording. I'll give it uh, 5.8. <laughs> Really boring and not funny movies. <laughs> Tyler? 5.8. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, 9.4 uh, Nazi hands. Zach? Uh, 
<laughs> I'm still processing that 5.8. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will give this movie 8.9 uh Cowboys riding nukes. Do you want to know what makes me a little bit mad about our rating system? Is that sometimes we can have a movie that is a uh, majority about nine. And then yeah. Scott brings it down to an 81%. Yeah. yeah. That can happen. Yeah. That can happen. That's much higher that's than why, I think it deserves. That's why There Will Be Blood is not in our top 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, this would be a top 10 movie as well. Probably. Yeah, maybe. One, but instead, uh, it's number 49 out of 142. Yeah. One one more uh, fact that I'll throw out there, or not fact, uh, just piece of trivia that I thought was interesting. It's probably not that interesting. Uh, the glove uh, that Doctor Strangelove wears was a decision on set by Peter Sellers. He just uh, he saw Stanley Kubrick's gloves that he used to handle lights because you know he would like move these lights around, and these lights are extremely hot. So he had these leather gloves that he would wear to, you know, protect his hands from getting burned. And Peter Sellers just thought they were so menacing looking that he was like, give me one of those. And he just took one of uh, Stanley Kubrick's gloves and put it on. And that completed the the wardrobe for the character. Do you want to know why I think that is a very interesting piece of trivia? Because I also read that and I thought it was very interesting was, does that mean he decided to have the, the like, like the Nazi arm. hand. Yeah. Like, yeah. does that mean he just, that was just an addition by him. He's like, I'm, he's going to have a weird arm. I think so. I mean, he was supposed to be infirm. Uh-huh. Uh, that was like always part of the thing, but, uh, I don't think, I think all of the, like, you know, the, the arm just has a mind of its own and like, is like his arm is still very Nazi, you yeah. know, like that was a, an in the moment kind of decision. That was Maybe like one bit that I just didn't really work for me. Not in a way that bothered me, but just it was less funny to me than everything else in the movie. I died every time. Really? Every single time he did something. That was that. the that was the bit that they had they had so many cuts in that scene because they, they just couldn't get scenes where people weren't dying. Mm-hmm. Uh it was him just choking himself. <laughs> <laughs> I died every time too, but like not from yeah, on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. From like boredom. <laughs> Well, where are we going on that note, Scott? Where are we going next week? Uh, we're going to uh, the next movie in the greatest saga of all time. Another very critically acclaimed film. Yeah. We, it's does also it come, nominated for five uh, Academy Awards. Does it come close to a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I don't think it, no. <laughs> We're yeah, gonna you give could check the audience right whiplash. There. It we was went, like it was like seventy one percent or something. We went Mission Impossible, Strange Love, six F, six F. I know, like, I that's love just, it. Uh, yeah, they're gonna. It's it, it's not it's, really whiplash because it's like week to week. That's true. It's just us. <laughs> yeah, we, it's we, whiplash for us because we record them all in a row, minute to minute. Yeah. Yeah. It it is fun though. Like I think even as a listener, if I got like three straight weeks of like critically acclaimed like old prestige film it's fun to break it up yeah and get like one just like yeah really trashy fun movie it's it's the reason why for the last couple of years i've picked my movies last to balance us out it's to balance us out not even like week to but for the recording so that like our recording has something different than what other things are yeah also probably the reason you picked it last is because scott filled it out in august uh, we for next year we, we, yeah. oh, what oh, hap- that's true what happens he just picked one thing yeah. yeah like scott go well scott will just what happens for me what is for the last several years is i will check our sheet to see what movies we're doing that i need to watch and I'll be like oh scott filled out all of his movies for next year 
I better do this. Yeah. And then everybody does it. Sometimes I'm I'll, sorry for I'm not against it. And I'm not against planning. It. And I'm just saying. I love it. Yeah. Sometimes it'll what will happen too is one of us will say like I want to do this movie next year and then you go on the sheet and see Scott picked it for himself. <laughs> Which movie did that happen? On? Godfather 2. <laughs> well, it's cuz I had done the first one and I was like I I wanted to follow up on my own movie. Yeah, yeah I mean I'm, <laughs> And then you had to and then you, you had to have Scarface. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm so, yeah, that That's does the hurt. pivotal yeah. reason why I lost to Jake last year. Yeah. Scarface well, was two years ago, wasn't it? No, no, no Monster March was last year. Yeah, they're all blended together. All right, well, uh, check in with us next week uh, for Fast Six. Uh, Scott, do you have any and, final thoughts? Or? Yeah, go visit our Patreon. Oh yeah, patreon.com forward slash Rotten Potato Pod. Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.